Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. I can think of one movie I ever walked out on, ever, oh, in my entire life. I stick it. I, I stay till the end of the credits, even on movies I hate. Uh, I'm kind of a purist that you way. You know, no, now no, that I a... don't have a deadline, when I am in a movie, I like to sit through the credits and wait until the lights come up. Mm-hmm. Number one, if the lights <laughs> come find up, your there's less chance <laughs> Where of doubling. <laughs> But also, you know, I and like you can find leftover popcorn. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Well, that was Bill Newcott of the Saturday Evening Post and Peter Freeman of DC Outlook, and they were making fun of me because I'm always the last guy to leave the movie theater. You know that I I like for the lights to come up. I like to read the credits. So uh, so you know, make fun of me. I don't care. Hello, I am Arch Campbell, and this is the podcast that tries to keep you up with the ever-changing world of entertainment. Lou Katz is in worldwide headquarters of the Katz podcast system. That's right, Arch. The lights are up, so you're free to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'll, I'll stay. <laughs> That's okay. And here's the reason I'll stay. Our guests today include uh, our great friend, Jason Braley, the entertainment guru of WTOP Radio. Hello, Jason. Yeah. Hello, DC Hound Radio. Bethesda Bagels, wherever you're hearing this. <laughs> we got lots to talk about today. And uh, joining us taking a break from whatever he has missed at the AMC Cineplex, where he uh, hangs around all day. It's network television producer, film fanatic, Cinema Lou Charlotte. Hey, Lou. Hi, Arch. Hi, everyone. How are you? Cinema Lou requested to be on a show with you, Jason. (laughs) He did. I don't know if that's good or bad, but he he likes that you're a (laughs) savant. I did. Well, Lou, I, I re- mad respect to you too. I think you probably see, you definitely see more movies in theaters than me these days, and probably in general. So, mad respect. Well, I don't so. know if that's good or bad, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so here we go, and much to discuss. So, first of all, uh, although we love the movies, a lot of the action has been on the streaming in the past couple of weeks, and let's begin with the finale of Succession. What do you think? Uh, Jason, where are you with Succession? Were you a fan? Uh, I, I, I am, I am. Uh, I mean, we, you and I have talked in the past, you know, I love the first two seasons. Season three, I actually thought it got kind of repetitive uh, and hope Jen Chaney, please don't sling arrows at me again. I know Jen was a fan all the way through, but I, I don't know, I, um, I thought it kind of, I thought it kind of, uh, you know, got a little repetitive and I actually bailed for months, maybe even almost like yeah. a year. Uh, yeah. But then when season yeah. four came, I, I binged, caught up. Um, and I really have, I really have liked this last season. Uh, the, the episode three with the big shocking death, I thought was great. The, the funeral with those eulogies and Kieran Calkin breaking down, you know, up there giving, giving his eulogy, I thought was fantastic. Yeah. And, and I thought the the finale I, I thought was fitting as well. I mean, Kendall Roman and Shiv, they got like, but they got both fun moments, like, you know, the meal fit for a king with the blender. <laughs> um, but then dramatic moments, you know, like when them shouting at each other in that glass room with airing their grievances. Oh. The whole time I'm like, oh, gosh, the whole board can probably hear everything they're saying. You know? <laughs> Lou, how about you? Uh, have you been following Succession? 
I have. I, I love the show. I love the last two episodes, especially. Mm-hmm. Here, here's my thing about about and Jason. I think this kind of reflects what you said. There was a point where if you missed one, two, or three episodes and turn it back on again, it feels like you didn't, like you didn't miss anything. Right. And, right. And that's what I tell people. Oh, don't worry if you missed it. Don't worry if you walked out during half an episode. You didn't miss anything. It'll nothing really happened that that you know will prevent you from understanding what's happening. I thought it was great. I I do have a problem with the episode three when he died. I, I thought it was such a central character, and they knocked him off so easily. I thought there might have been some more drama to it. That was my opinion. I think some some folks I spoke to agree. Some folks I spoke to don't dis, uh, disagree. But I thought it was um, too easy to get rid of him that way. And he was he was the the main character of the show. I loved that they uh, threw his death in and uh, and that that threw a wrench into everything. I got sick. It seemed to me, first of all, there was a, a, you know, which which sibling is going to take over the show? So season one was about the uh, second oldest child and then uh, Kendall uh, in the middle and then Shiv in the last one. I know they wanted you to hate the characters, and I I got to where I hated them so much that I hated this show and I stopped watching. <laughs> but uh, the death I thought was a fabulous way to uh, to reinject uh, what that show needed. Once the death came, it was like oh, okay, now we're not in these pluck it out and it doesn't matter season three episodes now it's in oh okay i need to pay attention every week because season four is gonna matter and i actually were any of you guys uh i know this was like a long shot but were any of you sort of like secretly hoping like logan had like faked his death or something because you never really saw it and you know kieran roman roman even when he's giving his eulogy he's like is he in there is he in there is he in there Part of me was like, uh, are they like foreshadowing? But uh, that would have probably been out of character with, with a show that's more about the business deal. That would have been a little out of left field, probably. That, that's like when the head of Enron died and, you know, people wanted to dig it up and, and actually see the body. They wanted to be right. sure. We need proof. I couldn't wait every night until, uh, till the, you know, every Sunday night when it came around. I just, I thought it was fabulous. Hey, uh, Lou and Arch, and uh, well, both Lou's. Uh, did 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 either of you pick up that? I saw it somewhere on social media, so I can't take credit for it. But um, Tom, the name Tom Wamsgams, or however you say it, Wamsgams. Did you yeah. see the last name? Um, yes, is a reference to Bill Wamsgams, who was the uh, he played for Cleveland, old baseball player, the only unassisted <laughs> triple play in World Series history. So some critic, I forgive me, I can't remember who it was, pointed out that uh-huh. oh my gosh, this is a clue that you know Tom, Tom is gonna whack all three siblings or something. You know what I mean, more metaphorically. So pretty, pretty clever stuff. I'm star. I'm I'm a baseball historian. I worked in sports for many years. I never made that connection. I've heard of Bill Wamsgast. <laughs> never, I never made that connection. Yeah. And I don't know of anybody who did. I think that's really, really reaching. I just well, I like the idea that Succession grabbed all of us by the collar and uh, had all of us uh, watching in real time on Sunday nights. And you know, it was kind of a throwback to the great days of must see TV. 
and I loved the finale. And I love the little moments where the siblings just started slapping each other. <laughs> I love the little, can I say, bitch fights? <laughs> right, and in and in his in in that most heated moment to see uh -huh. to see Kendall kind of just crumble and go into denial about the the Chappaquiddick type drowning thing, and like, no, it didn't happen. Wait, wait did it or didn't it? Like, wait, did it happen or did it not happen? It did not happen. Uh, it did not. Uh, happen. I wasn't even there. It did not happen. The three of them just like exposed themselves in in that moment. And but to me, the the coup de gras, the grit was was uh, Tom putting the sticker on Greg's head, like I am claiming you, like they did with the you know the. Oh, I loved items. that moment. I got you. I got just enough capital. I got you. God, that was good. That was good stuff. And I loved that uh, after succession, you'd go right into Barry. And Barry was so rich and so dark this season that uh, I was I, I would end up Sunday night on total overload. What do we think of Barry? Well, it's funny you mentioned that, watching that back-to-back -back every Sunday live on HBO. You know, Succession was supposed to be the drama and Barry was supposed to be like the comedy. But like towards the later seasons, you would find some Sundays I'd laugh more at Succession than Barry, you know? I The way Barry ended, I thought was just plain brilliant. I just, uh, the way they they uh, fast forwarded several years and uh, throw, threw Barry into a totally different, I mean, I don't want to give away where we went. But he's thrown into a totally different venue, and Sally is with him, and he's got a child. And then right at the end, he's he sucked it. Every time they suck me back in. <laughs> I I loved it, but you know I have to say I'm a big Henry Winkler fan. Oh so. gosh, it's the best thing he ever did. I, I totally agree. It's the best thing he ever did. I keep telling whoever would listen that he should be hosting Saturday Night Live, but that's just me. But but I, I yeah well there's no writers now so right now there Saturday is no Saturday Night, Night Live, Live. That's, that's a terrible <laughs> that's the problem because I think that would have happened yeah well they hadn't announced him they did announce a whole bunch of folks mm -hmm. but not him uh, in fact uh, they announced uh, Culkin um, uh, oh from, was supposed yeah. to be one of those Karen Culkin Karen Culkin was supposed to be yeah. one of those uh, but. But I, I love Barry. And I again, same thing with you were saying, Jason. It was a comedy that turned like ultra, ultra dark. Yeah. Uh, but but I loved it. I just it was incredibly creative. It was um, it was even though it was dark, it was fun. I've got oh. so much respect for Bill Hader now. Yeah. Every time I see him, I think this guy has really got the goods. That's the hardest part of this is, is saying goodbye to everybody that you've worked with and how much you love them. Uh, but you know, writing the writing the end is is great. He's a great so, villain, isn't he? Uh, he was, well, he was a comic villain, and yeah. you know, he was unlike the people on Succession. You actually were rooting for him yeah. to succeed. No, you're 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 rooting for some sort of redemption from a guy, you know, as he's listening to, you know, his uh, you know, book on tape and religious stuff. You're like, but you're realizing like his sins are almost too great to overcome, but you're <laughs> but you still are rooting for uh -huh. him, you know? Um and, and the way it sort of ended again, not to give it away, but you know, for I thought it was a fitting ending for a show that was you know, it's about this hitman taking acting classes. So I thought it was only fitting that, you know, his acting teacher would play a major part in, in the end. 
Yeah. So, so what do we do now? Both of these shows are gone. I'm lost. I'm lost in the woods. What what well, happens now? Soon, soon there won't be a lot to watch because of the writer's strike. Yeah. I think that's a problem. We'll have to go to the movies, Arch. <laughs> so I, I wanted to mention something about, about Ted Lasso. And Jason, I don't know your take on this. A lot of critics have been have been very negative on Ted Lasso this year. I think it's great. Everyone I know thinks it's great. I think it's the best thing on television or streaming. But but people are criticizing it. And I, I don't I don't quite get it. Well, I don't think it had the freshness this season that it had uh, the other two seasons. But every episode I've watched, I've really enjoyed. I agree. And uh, the episode with his mother, which I thought was the series finale, if it was, was almost a perfect way to end it. Uh, I, I'm, you know what? I'm glad you're you're saying that, Lou, because I've heard many critics and, and ones I really respect, you know, mm-hmm. saying that season three is so terrible and the others were better. But I, I I'm kind of with you. I, I, I think there's like some sort of like critic bubble group thing going we're, on about. We're talking about Jen bad. Cheney. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I've I've read a lot I'm, of. I love Jen. I've read a lot of people bashing season three of Ted Lasso. Um, but like, Jen I don't is know. Right in there with them. Though. Yes, she is. But she's entitled to her opinion. But I I just don't see it elsewhere. I, well, I was, I, by the way, no, Trivial, I, I, I've read fact. a lot of. I've read a lot of people saying it, and and I can, I guess I can kind of see like the beginning of season three with the Zava, you know, this character comes in and it takes over a lot. Like it was sort of spinning its wheels with that maybe, but like I think like from like when they go on that vacation, where was it, Amsterdam? From that mm-hmm. point on, I thought it's been kind of a delight, and you're seeing these characters we love so much getting all their storylines wrapped up. Even even Nate, who you we were rooting against, they kind of build a redemption arc for him, and there's even like good. I don't know, social progress moments that maybe we take for granted um, or some critics take for granted, but like we need to really pull back and think that mainstream audiences are seeing, are seeing, are seeing Keely say, no, I'm not going to apologize for my photos going out. Like I don't have to, it's like a feminist statement or the, the gay soccer player, or, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like there's Mm -hmm. these social moments that the show is kind of effortlessly uh, weaving in that maybe some critics are taking for granted. I totally agree. A point of uh, trivia, by the way, Jason, Jen Cheney lives next door to Cinema Lou. Well, not quite next door, but close. <laughs> Do you so, guys like open a window and say, what'd you think of that review? That that's, what, that's what I think happens. <laughs> well, by the way, Jen is smarter and sees way more TV than all of us. So our, combini- our opinions combined probably don't add up to Jen's. Just saying. <laughs> She wrote a beautiful, there's a beautiful analysis of succession on Vulture that she wrote. So uh, I I highly recommend it. And there was a very good one in the Washington Post today. And, uh, And that takes us back to succession again. I love that everybody's talking about it. This is the first like water cooler uh, show I can think of uh, in I don't know when. Yeah, where where would you where would you ultimately? I, I, yeah, I know some people hate rankings, but do you would you put it up with the other HBO greats? You know, Sopranos and The Wire and Game of Thrones and all that stuff. Mm, uh, I, I, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, not maybe not The Sopranos and certainly not The Wire. But uh, surely up there with like um, ER and LA Law and uh, uh, I'd, yeah. I'd put it up with the great commercial TV uh, series. I think I think I, I think know, that's right. I'd put it like maybe a notch below 
the Sopranos Wire or Breaking Bad or, you know, maybe even if you want to throw Mad Men or something. Although that got a little repetitive too. So, yeah, I don't know. But, like, right right below it, I think it was it, – uh, it, I know we're splitting hairs. But, yeah. Close I, to I, Mad I, Men, maybe. I always have a problem with those rankings. I know Entertainment Weekly's 100 best shows. <laughs> and it's all subjective. and you So know, subjective. Yeah. And it, there, was, there was one that had Fleabag above Seinfeld. And I was like, that is just objectively. Oh, oh yeah. that's crazy. That, no, it's just please. it's just like that. That's just academically please. dishonest. Speaking no. of Seinfeld, I, I must speaking of Seinfeld, I must tell you this <laughs> this moment. I went to Israel where where when I turned on the TV and flipped around, the only thing that looked familiar was SpongeBob SquarePants in Hebrew. <laughs> <Whoa>. But <laughs> can you but, sing a little bit? What? How did the theme song go in Hebrew? <laughs> Uh, somebody somebody we know uh, who I'm not going to mention because he told me not to mention his name, but I could mention the story, went to Oscar Schindler's grave. Oh, wow. And oh, in a, in a yeah. Seinfeld moment, decided to make out with his wife because remember uh, the Seinfeld episode where he got course. making out it? He decided oh. to make out with his wife. And he was on who a made tour. out during Schindler's list? In, in, uh, the, in, in the show, but here he made out in front of his grave, wow. and, and he said no one on this tour understood what he was doing. He had to explain wow. it to them. That is but just I, so. That is just so wrong. In so God. many ways. But uh, <laughs> you know, you, you know, they end there of Spielberg shooting the real cast members coming yes. up to that grave and placing the stones is one of the most tear-jerking moments I've ever Absolutely. had in a movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one last word about television and finales and that sort of thing. Uh, there is a wonderful documentary on Mary Tyler Moore on uh, Max, HBO Max. Mary Tyler Moore was America's sweetheart. Hardly anybody knows comedy like she does. She was just masterful, but she was also incredibly inventive. It's just that I couldn't go to a party knowing my son was on the verge of being sick. Carl Reiner saw some spark of humor in me, and he started writing for me to be funny. Takes her all the way through her career. It's a little bit, a little bit much. It's a little long, but uh, it's a lovely uh, walk down memory lane. Do either of you see that, the Mary Tyler Moore doc? No, I've heard about it, though, and I yeah. will watch it, but I haven't it's yet. On, it's on Max. A lot of good stuff on Max. What do you think of the switch from HBO to Max? I thought, um, it, I thought it was, like, needlessly confusing at first because HBO is the brand. You know, we're, all these shows we're mentioning, Brandon's yeah. Wire and Sex in the City and Game of Thrones, all that. Um, Everyone knows the, you know, that the static screen and the wall. Like, everyone knows that. Mm -hmm. So it was weird to me that they would throw that out and just go to Max, which you might confuse with, like, Cinemax or some other platform. But um, I don't know. The more I thought about it, I, like, now that I've seen it, Almost like Commanders. You kind of get used to it after a while. Even then, oh. command Commanders still stinks. Com <laughs> commanders. I don't know what to change it to, but that still is hard. They're but selling I, the I mean, team. Yeah. Change the name. Good Ultimately, God. Max doesn't really affect us. It's just the same app. You click on it, and you get the same. Yeah. You get what you need. But Well, uh, the Max is they've raised their rate. <laughs> Maximum price. Did, you, did any of you have trouble switching it over? Yes, I did. I didn't. 
In fact, I had to um, delete the HBO uh, icon and then reinstall it. So mm. it took me like a couple of hours. So mm. th so that, that's my Mac. Mine was pretty easy. The only, you know, it loaded right up after I logged in, but the only annoying thing was I had to do it on every device in my laptop, both TVs. Yeah. It's like, oh, we got to do the Mac switch over again. But I think we're, I think we're good now. And I, I think sort of the idea is that HBO is when you sit down and watch it live, like you mentioned, Arch, whereas Max is going to be our streaming thing. And I hope we don't get to a point where like the HBO shows don't, travel over to the streaming i hope it's not going to be like a division i hope it's just two names for the same thing well i was i, I was uh i was not home so i watched um i was at somebody's house who didn't have hbo but they had max so okay. i watched succession on max live uh, so it was not the not the home box office you were at the away box office the away box yes <laughs> you're watching the abo box oh, abo yeah <laughs> Well, I always watch Succession on cable because I got it at 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock, and uh, it didn't always come across to uh, the, the streaming service uh, exactly on the moment. You know, I had to yeah. wait a couple of minutes, and, and yeah. you know, I'm impatient. <laughs> well, I, I, I could see I that. I want my HBO. <laughs> I, well, I, either way, whether you're watching Max or uh, HBO, like, um, it, I, I, I really, I think, I do think that I like that it's a once a week drop rather than binge it all at once. I, I mean, yeah. I know that was like yeah. cool when it, when House of Cards first premiered almost exactly 10 years mm -hmm. ago on Netflix, but like, I like the week to week drama and the, you know, the Twitter conversation. I like that. Here, here's yeah. the problem I have with the week to week. So I, I watch something, I watch a couple of episodes and then I forget about it. Forget something that, new yeah. comes <laughs> along and, and I go, wait a minute, didn't I start watching that? I think I did. I, 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 that's the, if it all drops yeah. at once, I can watch it and be done with it as opposed to having to remember I watched it. Maybe that's getting old. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's why we need those previously on uh, clip packages. At the yes. Yeah. The, but the previouslys were wonderful uh, <laughs> week to week. So uh, Cinema Lou is here. And, and of course, we have the Savant movie guy here. So let's move on to the movies. And I suppose let's start with Cinema Lou. What have you been watching lately? Uh, well, you know, I was away, so I didn't get to see many movies. In fact, I couldn't find any theaters in Israel. Not that I was going to go to the movies in Israel or in Venice, but I couldn't find any. Um, but um, I, I did see the movie with um, uh, with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah, you hurt my um, feelings. And I, yeah, and I did you see it? I did. I loved it. Okay. Here's my question. I loved it too until the uh -huh. end. A lot of times, movies these days just end, and there's no ending. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's it. And and I, it's not the first movie like that. I loved everything about it up to that point. And then I'm saying to myself, okay, where's the end of this movie? Should I sit through the credits? Is there an extra scene? Um, it was very. Uh, so I don't know. That was my feeling about it. I would recommend uh -huh. it, but don't expect it to. Have, there's no uh, beginning, middle, and end. It's just a beginning and middle. It struck me as sort of post-Woody Allen. They're in Manhattan. She's a writer. He's a therapist. They're upper of their one percenters in Manhattan. And she uh, hears, overhears him telling his friend that he really doesn't think she's written a very good book. And he's been telling the opposite to her. And of course, we all do that because we want to support our uh, spouses and, and children and friends. If I did say that, you took it out of context. Are you going to gaslight me now? He's been lying to me this whole time. I wasn't lying. I was encouraging. That's not true. You were lying to be encouraging. And it 
uh, kind of breaches her trust, and it's uh, somewhat of a crisis. And in the meantime, there are all these delightful one-liners uh, floating through the air, and they're going to these delightful places in uh, Manhattan. And uh, and I'm totally with you. When it ended, I I was sort of left wondering. Uh, so what's the message? Is it okay to kind of praise people, or or is honesty the best policy? Except sometimes it's not. Or so I'm totally with you. Yeah, I I haven't seen it yet. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I did like their movie they did previously. I guess exactly ten years ago. Enough said. The director yeah. uh, Nicole Hall. Yeah. How do you say it? Hall Hall Center. Hall um, Center. Um, and who, who who also wrote that Melissa McCarthy movie? Can you ever forgive me from um, that she didn't direct? Mm-hmm. That was Mar- that Heller. was nice. Yeah, yeah. About so the, yeah, the, no the fake I'll, uh, letters. I'll keep. I'll keep. Uh, I guess similar theme to what you're talking about a little bit. You know that. You know how do we react to art and things like that? I'll keep an eye out for what you're you're saying. Where the the cut to black. Um, I think there's like sort of like two schools of thought, and you. It's a dangerous line you have to walk. You kind of have to get it just right. Um, I, my wife and I always talk about it all the time. She says. I want more falling action, you know, to, to round up. Um, but especially like back in, you know, a lot of those Hollywood Renaissance in the seventies, the directors would look for that great moment to kind of just like cut to black and, and leave you kind of thinking a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Net, you know, network, boom, we're the guy shot and we're out of <laughs> all the president's men. It's just a teletype. And now we're out. Um, I'm trying to think of a newer example. Do you remember that movie prisoners? I thought the one that thought did it kind of nicely when Hugh Jackman is like buried underground and he's, bl- Jake, he's blowing the whistle, trying to get discovered. The, the, um, the serial killer, the child abductor has him trapped underground and Jake Gyllenhaal is walking around above ground and he you hear him hear a whistle and he kind of looks and you know he hears it and then we cut to black like it's really hard to do that you know get out uh-huh, of the right uh-huh. moment so yeah, I can hear what you're yeah. saying it really is hard to do uh, I don't know I, I love this woman's work Nicole Holofinner I think Holof- it's Holofinner I think Holofinner she's I think she's great and and I think there's a place for that sort of Woody Allen-ish she did a movie called Lovely and Amazing that kind of struck me years back. And Enough Said was lovely. So so that's Enough Said. Uh, any thoughts on The Little Mermaid? It's the number one movie this week. It's Disney. It, uh, I suppose it's the thing that kicks off. Are we in the Memorial Day? Are we in the summer blockbuster season? Uh, I think we are. I saw it. I, I thought it was okay. It was decent. Um, it's not really... Uh... The critics don't love it. And it's a beautiful movie. Rob Marshall makes, mm. you know, mm. he's able to take these scripts and just make them come to life. I thought he did a great job with it. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I can't say I loved it. There are Disney movies I like better, but but I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I'm a little bit tired of the remakes of animated successes. You know, now it's okay. We made all these animated movies and uh, they were really good. So now let's remake them uh, live action. It just seems kind of lazy. Yeah. So I guess sort of speak to speak to what you both are saying. I it's like really hard to top that 1989 original for me. And I know I'm biased because it was the first Disney movie I ever saw in a movie theater. Yeah. Um, I was uh, I think I had seen The Land Before Time the year before, but this is the first Disney movie. Um, and I, I, I it was at the Druid in Damascus, Maryland, mm. which closed in 1990. So we Boy, just snuck it in the there Druid. just in time. <laughs> Boy, now that is old school. 
right? And uh, I was, you know, let's say probably uh, five when Little Mermaid came out. So I had a little stuffed Sebastian the Crab, that stuffed animal in my bunk bed, you know. I had the VHS tape, and I even went to kinder. <laughs> I even went to kindergarten and swore wow. mermaids were real, and the whole <laughs> class laughed at me. So I say all that to say I was a huge fan. Um, but yeah, so then the you know the the when they do a live action remake of all of these, like I remember the Lion King one was just so disappointing. The, uh, you can't top that. Um, but what kind of was interesting, my wife and I went to see this at a drive-in movie theater. At, uh, in, it's called the Cumberland Drive-In to the Little Mermaid in Newville, oh, Pennsylvania. Cool. Yeah. So, but it was, I almost need to get back to you on a grade on it or whatever, because the sun, they were doing a triple feature and the sun was like still going down as it opened. So those Mm -hmm. underwater scenes were like so dark. You couldn't, you couldn't really, really see it um, with the animation, but I will, I did like the casting. Halle Bailey has an incredible voice. That whole controversy of her being a black Ariel is ridiculous. She's a freaking mermaid. Like who who cares? Um, (laughs) Melissa McCarthy was a, was a cool Ursula. Um, I didn't think, I mean, I love David Diggs, but I didn't think the digital Sebastian crustacean crab was nearly as like adorable as the bigger eyes and the, you know, the hand-drawn animation. Um, so a little bit of a mixed review, but, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I thought the singing, singing was great. So it's like, if you like the original, go to see it for the songs, but you'll then go home and watch, you know, watch the original if you really. Love. So I think the next question is, are we bouncing back from uh, the years of COVID? Uh, is the movie business is it coming back? Well, I don't think so. Um, th- that movie, The Little Mermaid, was crowded on a Memorial Day Saturday or, or yeah. whatever it was. That, yeah, it was packed. But all the other theaters were empty. Yeah. So, you you know, you put out something people want to see or, or are interested in seeing, you'll draw people. But, you know, you have multiplexes with 14, 16 theaters. Uh, you know, two or three of them are running Little Mermaid. All the rest are running movies that you have one or two people showing up to see. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think they're almost gonna it's gonna have to be a forced course correction like just streamline the number of theaters in each multiplex kind of a thing like that um but I do think you know you're gonna the big movies like Little Mermaid you're gonna see big crowds turn out the first or second weekend like uh I think Indiana Jones 5 is gonna get a big audience I think the new Mission Impossible the two-part finale of that or oh, whatever yeah. is those are always really good that might be one of the best franchises Mission lately, Impossible so. Barbie and Oppenheimer I'm yes, gonna I'm, I'm excited just to gonna see devote uh, three or four days to doing that. Uh, very quickly, uh, we must mark the passing of Tina Turner, motion picture icon and rock star icon. And uh, I just want to say uh, there's a documentary on her from 2021 on HBO that is just wonderful. I had an abusive life. There's no other way to tell the story. I'm a girl from a cotton field that proved myself above what was not taught to me. My dream is to be the first black rock and roll singer to pack places like the Stones. Any thoughts on the late Tina Turner? I just saw the play not too long ago. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's called Ain't Love Got to Do With It. Yeah. Um, and, what's and, Love uh, Got to Do With what's It? What's Love Got to Do With It? Yeah. And I thought I thought it was um I thought it was really good. I you know, there was a lot of her life I didn't know. Uh how Yeah, watch that documentary. Was. In the documentary, well, there's an interview maybe at Khan uh, with the cast of What's Love Got to Do With It, which is uh, an earth-shaking movie. And Tina is there, and they ask Tina a couple of questions. She says, I didn't see it. I'm not going to see it. Mm-hmm. I lived it. I don't need to see it. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne. And yeah, um, it's, I could see that though. Why would you want to relive that, that pain as good as a movie? When I was at the screening of uh, what's love got to do with it, a guy behind me uh, as uh, you know, the uh, Lawrence Fishburne character is uh, in his full rage says, what's wrong with him? And that yeah. was the question that I was left with. Well, one of the one of the cool pivot points that I in, in obviously in the movies or in the our autobiography and all the obits I was reading was was um, how she how she really when when after those big hits you know like you know Mountain High and all that stuff um, and Proud Mary CCR cover um, how when her and Ike you know got divorced that she said mm -hmm. I want to keep the name Tina Turner because that is yeah. what I became yeah. famous yeah. for. Um, and then, of course, comes right out of that with the song "What's Love Got to Do with It." I won the Grammy for Song of the Year, so I, we we need the younger younger kids to go back and look at that moment as like a real powerful moment of just like staking your claim of who who I am and coming back. Yeah, she will. Uh, very quickly, let's turn it over to Lou Katz in Katz uh, Podcast Headquarters to remind us that we come to you over Hound Internet Radio. That's right. Uh, available in bagel stores and dry cleaners <laughs> all over Washington. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and the world. And and being a big dog lovers here, and I know that you and your wife have, I keep forgetting your dog's name, uh, Jason. Liberty. Liberty. <laughs> I want you to listen to this World of Dogs piece. You're going to learn something really cool about dogs. Hound Radio's leash-leading canine expert, Faith Lapidus, is back with another look into the wonderful world of dogs. You've probably heard the joke, if you think dogs can't count, try putting three biscuits in your pocket and then giving your dog only two of them. And it's true, dogs can count, at least to a point. They can rapidly estimate basic quantities like how many dogs are in the dog park or the number of squirrels in the backyard. That ability allows mother dogs to recognize that all of her pups are with her. Of course, we can quickly estimate sizes, and a research team found that the part of the brain that dogs use to do that corresponds closely to the part of the brain we use. Researchers say their findings provide some of the strongest evidence so far that most mammals are born to count. Dogs may not be able to do higher math, but they can tell how many treats are left in your pocket. I'm Faith Lapidus for Hound Radio. Wasn't Liberty the name? of uh, Jerry Ford's dog in the White House. Is that where you Ooh. got that, Jason? I don't know. No, we definitely didn't name it after Ford's dog. <laughs> we were going to do Spiro or Agnew. No, just kidding. No. Um, it I went to a Liberty Elementary, and my thesis film was a Liberty Road about a Liberty Road crab shack I worked at. Capra's company was Liberty Films. I don't know. One of those. Better than Very Liberty. quickly. This week, there was an editorial in the Washington Post saying save the uptown theater did either of you see that i did and, and <laughs> i mean look let's be honest if they the planning i may you know if you turn it into a little shopping center maybe oh. but nobody's coming to watch uh oh. you know a a movie in a 2000 seat theater turn it into a they did a there's one in brooklyn called the king's theater that was a movie theater same type of theater and they turned it into a show place they have facts come in they have music comedy plays why can't you do that mm, wow i was remembering the druid because i went to a couple of screenings of it not only was it a single screen theater it was also a single standalone building 
<laughs> yeah, and, right? it, and it no longer exists. <laughs> now it's now it's a, a drugstore, and I think they might have like a dance studio up back or something. Shopping but yeah, show. did they save the building? It's still there. Yeah, oh, it's still there. Yeah. It's just a you know the big facade and everything. It looks like a movie theater, the structure, but the front where the marquee would be is now a a Rite Aid or something. I like just I really grieve the closing of the Uptown Theater, which was yeah. timed perfectly at the beginning of COVID. And uh, I kept I kept telling people you need to go see a movie at the Uptown and watch in the balcony. And uh, yeah. I don't know. I I go to a lot of movies at the Avalon, and I'm lucky to have that. I remember the I remember the Dark Knight movies and Inception, like those big Christopher Nolan movies, would be blockbusters at the at the Uptown. Some of the some and, of the last know, big ones. The Mission Impossible movie would be playing there this summer. Yeah. That'd be the one, and the or Oppenheimer, right? Or yeah. Both. But, and and people will show up for the you know for the evening showings at daytime nobody will be there and they lose money and you can't yeah. you can't just I do want to mention I know we're running out of time watch but I do want to mention a documentary I saw at the theater that I saw I thought was fabulous it, it ain't over the Yogi Berra documentary oh I, oh I oh thought, I thought it was wonderful where is that is it theaters only it, it's in theaters only at the moment I thought it was just great his I mean, daughter I, I, put it together correct. Correct. She's the executive producer. She didn't direct it, but someone else directed it. But it it's a it's a it's just so much fun. And what, if you don't know Yogi Berra, you, you see love it. it. Uh, the AMC, of course. Oh. <laughs> the one, the one, the one in, in Montgomery Mall. Montgomery I don't know Mall. if it's still there, but yes. but it was there a couple weeks ago. How are the nachos there these days? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, no, soda is all I get. Maybe popcorn. <laughs> and I do stay to the end of the credits as well. <laughs> Okay, anything to recommend this weekend? Well, I guess that's that's Lou's uh, recommendation, Yogi Berra. Uh, I that's will excellent. I will not recommend White Men Can't Jump remake on Hulu. The original's better, but I will recommend a different basketball movie, The Air on Amazon Prime with Matt Damon, uh, Ben Affleck. I think that might be my favorite of the year so far. Well, uh, my favorite times are together with you two guys. Thank you, Lou Katz. Thank you, Jason Fraley of WTOP and Cinema Lou. Uh, it's always a pleasure for a visit from you. I'm Arch Campbell. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, and I hope you see something good somewhere. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.